my dudes and dudettes what is going on pavel and hilo here bringing you another betting extremes podcast looking at the slate though we're gonna jump right in this is a bizarre slate dude we have basically most of the games on the main slate and then all the way into sunday night football and monday night football but most of the games on on the main slate are within this like medium range of game totals of like 46 to 49 and a half, which is historically like this, this mid range of game totals. We have only three games with a game total over uh, 50 points, which is low considering what we've seen this season. One of those (laughs) games, God bless you. What? (laughs) Jesus Christ. Mute yourself if you're going to sneeze, bro. I don't know how to myself. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, Lord. Uh, bless you, though. Thank you. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. One of, the, one of the games with a game total over 50 points is a Sunday night football game with Tennessee and the Rams at 53. And then one of the games of the four that are below 45 points is a Monday night football with the Bears and the Steelers all the way down at 40 points. We also have this Cardinals game um, where it started the week, the Cardinals favored by two and a half points with a game total of, uh, which would have fallen over our 49 and a half. Even though, yeah. Yeah, now it's a pick them with a game total of 45, and that's got to be surrounding Mr. Kyler Murray. So I'm kind of looking for some news out of Arizona uh, today, um, which we're recording this Wednesday morning. So um, probably going to get the first practice report out of Arizona today. But Kyler uh, got banged up on the last possession of the last week's game uh, on Thursday night uh, against the Packers. And look to be favoring an ankle. So we'll have to wait and see what's going on there. All that kind of slate macro perspective stuff out of the way, dude. What is your first pick this week? Oh, man. I am going right back to my favorite team to tack for this exercise. We're going to go with the Patriots and the Panthers under 41. I, uh, first of all, enjoy attacking Sam Darnold. Bill Belichick's defense is very confusing to mediocre quarterbacks. Patriots love to play slow, slow, slow. I don't, I don't know if you saw the the way Rule mentioned if McCaffrey plays today. He's like, I'm hopeful he'll play. If he doesn't play this week, he's going to play next week. So I'm starting to have this like slight feeling in my funny bone that McCaffrey's not playing this week again. So they're just going to keep taking their time with him. So I'm really liking the under on this game. Yeah, and Christian McCaffrey is going to affect a large, I think, is going to affect the game in the sense, like, not just from a box score perspective, but, like, how the Patriots' defense are going to be attacking this game. And so 
if I'm Bill Belichick or if, if I'm trying to figure out how Bill Belichick is going to attack this game, he's basically going to be forced to have two game plans. One for like Christian McCaffrey playing and one for Christian McCaffrey being out, um, which is difficult to do for an NFL coach, you know, because he basically is, you know, how are the Patriots attacking games over the Bill Belichick era? Like they are looking to take away an opposing team's, you know, best means of moving the football. (laughs) What is that with CMC in? That's obviously CMC. What is that with CMC out? Well, it's basically only DJ Moore now. So um, it's super interesting dynamic. And I think that's what we're seeing with this super low game total. Now, obviously the Patriots are, are a slow paced team. They're a run first team. Um, and obviously that is more or less how you attack the Panthers is on the ground. Right. So um, expect their offensive game plan to not change much here. You know, they're likely going to, you know, stick to how they like to attack games this season. And that's through the short area passing game. And that's through the, uh, the, a run heavy approach. But the, the interesting piece for me is the, um, how the Patriots are going to attack this game on defense. And I like the call to the under, um, with the unknown surrounding CMC, obviously CMC being back is going to, give this Panthers team a better chance of running the football. It's going to create a more dynamic offense overall and give the Patriots additional things to think about on the defensive side. That said, it kind of, we're reading the tea leaves here, but I do think there is expected value to the under with the unknown surrounding CMC. So I like that call. Yeah. And the Panthers also still have a very good defense. Stefan Gilmore is going to be back for his first time playing the Patriots. So there's not, he's going to be motivated and they have a really they have a really good defense, so yeah, I can see this literally being one another one of those seventeen seven games. Yeah, man, I like that call. All right, Barada. Well, I'll go to one of the higher game totals on the week. You know where we're going, man. I know yep. you're probably going to talk about this one, but I'm going to snipe it, dude. And that's the Green Bay Packers of the Kansas City Chiefs. We've got an over-under of 54.5 with a pick'em game. Um, I wrote this game up in the uh, early week look, and I actually wrote the Packers because the Packers um, came into this game uh, as like anywhere between two and a half and three and a half point dogs. Um so I kind of, I wrote this game up as one to attack on the Packers side and we've seen uh, the line move to more of a pick them now, but what we're going to focus on obviously here is the game total at 54 and a half. So what is real quickly, like before we get into like how I like the over, what is like Vegas telling us with this game total set at 54 and a half, but they're telling us that they expect the Packers to more or less return to health. Right. So they're, they're expecting Vegas and betters are expecting the Packers top three wide receivers to return. Um, if MVS ever comes back, geez. Yeah. Right. I know. Um, MVS is kind of in this like nebulous range of like, um, <laughs> trying to get off the IR. 
But they're expecting Devontae Adams to return. They're expecting Alan Lazard to return. Um, obviously, Robert Tanyan is out for the season for the Packers. Um, but I think Vegas is is hinting at a, a return to health um, from a macro perspective for the Packers. Um, it's interesting. This matchup is an interesting setup in that the Chiefs pass defense has looked absolutely atrocious. The Chiefs run defense has looked absolutely atrocious atrocious that's a tough word for me to say this morning um but they are ranked 31st in dvoa in both uh against the run and against the pass look at the packers defense we know that this packers defense has been performing you know more or less considering all the injuries they have on the defensive side on the ball you know zadarius smith has played very few snaps this year um obviously um, they have Stokes on the back end who is playing well in his rookie season, uh, but they lost Jair Alexander earlier in the season as well. So all things considered, this Packers defense has been playing fairly well. Enter the Chiefs and they're still number one ranked um, drive success rate offense. So the most efficient offense in the league. We have a Packers team started the year out uh, horrendously coming out, scoring three points against the saints and then proceeding to win every other game this season, including that ridiculous Thursday night game against the Cardinals. So I like both offenses to basically view this game as a playoff game. So I expect both offenses to focus on moving the football, focus on this, um, highly efficient kind of moving the football and then also taking deep shots downfield. And that is what basically leads me to liking the over here, which is both of these teams highly likely to be taking numerous shots downfield and working this downfield passing game. Your thoughts. I feel the same. Uh, When Deshaun Jackson signs with the chiefs, I'll feel even more conviction on this. They need that third wide receiver bad, so I'm trying to will that to happening. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be exactly like you mentioned. I mean, you can't really fall behind to either team, so both teams are going to be trying to play aggressive. I uh, I really really like this game as well. Yeah, and it, it seems like the theme this year is we get these high game totals with high spreads, and those. Um, historically are going to hit the over with a lower frequency. Well, this year, I mean, this week, we're, we're kind of gifted with this game with a high game total and a low spread, which historically um, have a greater chance of hitting the over. Yep. Cool. All right, brother, what was your uh, second pick? We're going back home. We're going to go with Dub Bears versus the Steelers. Oh, man, the barn burner. Yeah, I think this is looking like a pretty solid under as well. I mean, it's not hard to really figure out why Ben Ben cannot throw the football. He is so washed, and it's so sad to watch. Um, I guess maybe depending on if Matt Nagy's coaching on Monday makes a pretty big difference because Fields finally looked competent last week. It was really fun (laughs) to watch. Called it. (laughs) Yeah. I, they should have just fired Nagy already, but joking aside, if they utilize him, 
which I don't think they will, which is why I'm thinking the under. I think Nagy comes in, he's going to try to do his own way again. And it's just going to be another one of those, you know, disgusting churn and churn and just slow grinded out game. And the Steelers defenses, I mean, they're pretty scary defense. So I definitely see this as going and an under. It's going to be a snoozy Monday night game. Yeah, it's, dude, I'm actually like, when I was going through my process this week and um, realized that I paid almost no attention to fields last week um, with Nagy, the first game of Nagy, not coaching. Uh, we know that Nagy has, has surrendered offensive play calling duties um, for a couple of games this season, but him not being there to just not be this atrocious game manager um, should have should have had me at least, you know, considering fields last week. And so I was kind of bummed that I missed that. I feel the same. Yeah, dude. So, but anyway, yeah, looking forward, like this team, this bears team, or I guess we should say this game overall is two teams who we know are going to play slow. We know are going to be running the football and we know um, their, both of their offenses are really, have shown an inability to hit these downfield passes. That said, like over under a 40, man, that is like, that is one of the lower game totals we've seen this season. We've seen these blowout games where the game total has been um, under 40 points. You know, the, the Buffalo Bills against the Houston Texans where it was like yeah. heavily weighted towards the Bills was around 40. I think it was sort of like 42 and a half. Uh, game total but yeah this is one of the obviously lower game totals that we've seen this season um and for obvious reasons that said like this is one of those where it's like we have a low game total with a relatively large spread and so i'm far less i'm far less interested from a betting perspective on this game um, in the sense that there's just these these wide range of outcomes on these low game totals and high spread games. I see so that's that. Kinda, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, but I, I get the allure to the under because obviously these are two slow-paced teams. These are two teams who are going to be running the football a lot um, and two teams who largely struggle to move the football on the offensive side and yeah. two good defenses. So, yeah, it'll be. Uh, I think this will be an interesting game to watch from a like real world NFL football perspective. Um, and I kind of am excited about playing this, uh, the showdown, this Island game on Monday. Yeah. This will be a great um, showdown. Yeah. Because there's going to be a, like zero certainty on either side. And I, I think I love the, those ones. Yeah. Those types of showdowns are the best ones. Isn't it? We have no certainty. Yeah. Yeah. All right, brother. Anything to add there? No, I mean, I don't assume David Montgomery will be back this week. So that's also helping fuel my decision on why I'm leaning this way. Yeah, man. I dig it. All right. We're going to go uh, for my second pick. We're going to go to the early week game. Uh, not early week. Sorry. I guess the an early Sunday game. Um, and that's the Denver Broncos of Dallas Cowboys. We've got a game total of 49 and a half. So one of the, um, I guess the fifth highest game total on the week or the fourth highest, sorry. Um, but the big picture here is we have a relatively 
Hi. What do you do, dude? Are you like in Santa's workshop right now? No. It sounded like elves in the background, like with, with miniature hammers that were like building cat. toys. <laughs> That's probably messing with something. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, sorry, it just threw off my thought process. You're good. Um, I'm sorry about that. No, you're good, man. Um, yeah, but we have this um, relatively high game total for the week. It's not a high game total from the sense of what we've seen this season, um, but we have a game total at 49.5 and a large spread at 10 points. And what do we typically see historically from these games with high game totals and large spreads? Historically, these games are going to play to the under at a greater frequency. So there's kind of two ways to look at this game from a from an extremes perspective. You know, obviously we can target the lofty-ish, uh, relatively lofty game total at 49.5, or we can also target the high spread at 10 points. Historically, if you want to look at historic betting trends on games like this, typically the home favorite is going to cover the spread at a higher frequency, and typically the under is going to hit at a higher frequency. So those are two just simply from a historic NFL betting trends perspective, um, two ways to really attack this game. For me personally, based on everything that's going on um, with these two teams, I am more apt to place my dollar dues on the under here at 49 and a half. We have a Dallas team who is um, shifted their basically offensive philosophy. We've talked about that a lot around the site um, this season so far, uh, but they came out first game of the season with the same high pass rates um, and the same basically aerial aggression that we saw last year, but have since transitioned to a run heavy approach. We look at the Broncos and they have Teddy Bridgewater, who is highly capable um, and I think somewhat quietly from the field of attacking downfield. Mm. But we know that they're a run first offense as well, right? You know, they're going to want to run the football. They have two, you know, a backfield tandem that has proven highly capable of rushing the football. So, how does this game set up overall? Well, we have a Broncos defense who is better attacked on the ground. We have a Cowboys defense who obviously has been playing pretty well this season. Um, you know, 15th in DVOA against the run, allowing only the sixth yards per carry in the NFL. And then their defense who has primarily struggled with deep passing. They're 10th in DVOA, but they're 28th in yards allowed per pass attempt. And we have this very, like from a metrics perspective, middling of the road Broncos run offense. So like, how does this game really set up? Well, it sets up where the Cowboys are likely going to control the pace, the flow, and the actual output on the scoreboard. And what does that mean for me? Well, they're going to continue to try and slow this game down uh, and force the Broncos into a pass-heavier approach. Now we have Noah Fant, who is on the COVID list. So enter Albert Agun, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, right. Pronounce his name for him. Alberto. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, 
but uh, yeah, we have um, Jared Judy, who just returned from the a lengthy stay on the injured reserve last week, looked um, relatively slow. Let me look up his snap rates uh, from last week real quick. You can go ahead and talk about it while I look this up. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know what fans' vaccination status is either. He uh, he could come back in two days if he gets those two negative tests. That all depends on if he's vaccinated or not. And unfortunately, we do not have a database of all of everyone's vaccination statuses, which someone on Twitter was trying to build earlier this offseason. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So Jared Judy came back in his first game back, played 72% in the offensive snaps. That obviously indicates um, him playing primarily that slot role. We have Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton on the perimeter that were the, you know, near every down wide receivers that we've seen from this offense. And um, we have Noah Fant, who is one of the higher snap rate tight ends in the league. Um, and what we've seen from this Denver offense is pretty much league average, um, 11 personnel rates and 21 personnel rate or sorry, 12 personnel rates with two tight ends on the field. And when I say like average NFL average, the, the average snap rates or out of 12 personnel this season from the NFL overall is been hovering around 20% for the NFL, um, as a whole. And those are elevated 12 personnel rates. And I think that's a shift in the NFL game overall to this more run heavy. And it allows offenses to kind of play these mixed mismatches with these athletic tight ends. Um, that really is kind of the name of the game for the NFL here. Well, what does, Noah Fant likely being out due. Well, to me, this Denver offense is now down to Eric Saubert and Albert Aquengumbunum. Yeah, dude, it's difficult to say. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, they're basically in this weird nebulous range where they're down to like the exact number of offensive personnel that they need to like field their game plan. So they have Cortland Sutton, they have Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, obviously who we talked about. And then those two tight ends with Eric Saubert primarily being that blocking tight end and Albert O the primary pass catching tight end. So like, what does that mean is, is these five guys are going to be playing, you know, the majority of the offensive snaps in this game. We look at how many like offensive snaps the Denver offense has been running. They have this typical tight range of 60 to 69. So in the 60s, offensive uh, plays run from scrimmage. They have one game higher than that range in the 60s of 81 in week six, which was an outlier. And then the past two weeks, They've ran only 50 and 53 offensive plays run from oh, scrimmage. Wow. Yeah. So when, when I see that, I immediately want to look to the offensive efficiency numbers from this offense. And what do we see out of Denver? They are middle of the pack, really. At 17th in the league in drive success rate, they are um, all the way down at... 
29th in the league in pace of play. So we kind of start to get this sense of how this game is going to shape up and what is the likeliest outcome. And we're going to get likely a game where Dallas is controlling it with their offense, with their defense. And what is Dallas? How is Dallas approaching games? Well, their situation neutral pace of play is all the way up at fifth. So they're still running a faster paced offense, but we know that their situation neutral um, pass rates are all the way down. Yeah. This year at 50%, which is, you know, tied for the third lowest pass rates in the league. So how is this like likely to set up from an, from a game flow perspective, if Dallas is jumping out and controlling this game and Denver is forced to be trying to pass their way back in with a, altered game plan well it's to me it's likeliest to play to the under i am with you on this one this is actually one of the ones i looked at too especially if no offense out it's it's tough for them i mean judy obviously doesn't it's not 100 percent back for sure so i was and i've also never really been to a teddy believer so there is also that fact so i will actually i i think actually yeah, I'm, I already put the under on this one. Sweet, man. Dig it. All right, let's, that was... Uh, sorry, I spoke a lot on those first oh, two. That's a really good game. <laughs> I, uh, I was between two for my last one. I really wanted to say the Titans and Rams because I feel like the Titans are going to get really one-dimensional. Um, but the other game I really, really was interested in, and it's more or less extremes due to the teams than the line. So I really like the tel- Texans and Dolphins game. I believe that this will be a Miami cover of seven points. Miami has been terrible this year. I don't know what happened like last year they were such a great fun cinderella team to follow and then this year they just kind of fell and shit the blood um flores has been saying there's been no veteran leadership you know the team has just played awful i don't think this is really that terrible of a team i mean they have some talent they really showed they were good last year texans obviously they just traded a bunch of i just i have a conviction that the Dolphins are just going to blow the Texans out and finally, you know, get a statement win on their season. And Tua really needs to prove that he's a quarterback in the NFL because he's not showing much yet. Yeah, I was saying like last season, man, they had the they had the magic. Miss they don't. Should have never gotten rid of Brian. Yeah, dude. Right? He's like one of the funner quarterbacks to watch. But anyway, um, yeah, this this game for me has a i think or how do i say this i think the line is set to cater to public perception and i think the public perception on this game is more or less we have no freaking clue right yep. <laughs> like, so i think that's what's holding this game to- or a uh, game spread down at six and a half and i say down because like if this if this game were played in Houston or were played at a neutral site, it would be closer to three and a half to four points um, on the spread. So I think obviously this game being in Miami um, is 
is worth about two and a half to three points. Um, but this Miami team, you know, obviously they are, have shown some, I, I guess we'll explain it as they're basically a bipolar team. Like they've shown games where they have been highly effective and they've shown games where they basically have not known what the hell they're doing. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that's a, another wide range of outcomes scenario and trying to think through like this, this game overall in this game environment, how it is likeliest to play out. We're likely to see the dolphins. Um, we know that they have higher pass rates. So yeah. how are they going to look to attack? Well, obviously that's primarily going to be through the air and how are the Texans likely to attack? And that's obviously on the ground. We look at the dolphins um, defense they have been a pass funnel defense this season. So they are all the way down in 31st in yards allowed per pass attempt, 26th in DVOA against the pass and middle of the road against the run. So I like the Dolphins to obviously control this game flow, control how they force the Texans to attack, um, which could lead to some mistakes on the back end. So I like that call. Um, playing to kind of some of these unknowns and against public perception. Honestly. Exactly. I think really throughout this exercise I've been doing is the more obvious picks I've chosen have seemed to not go the way we expect them. So I'm trying, yeah. to, I'm trying to really look the next level of what is the most uncertain outcome and try to capitalize there and make a stand. So that's why I really, really like the Dolphins this week. Yeah, I like that, man. I like that. All righty then. Well, we better take a look at one of these higher game totals as well. Um, you mentioned the Titans and the Rams. Obviously, the Titans have some injury news that we need to keep track of. Obviously, Derrick Henry is likely done for the season, could return late, but he's going to be out for this game. Obviously, Julio Jones is still banged up. If Julio misses this Titans team is going to be extremely one-dimensional. All that being said, that is not the game I want to talk about. Um, I want to go to the Chargers and the Eagles. Love that game. Yeah, man. From a DFS perspective, this might be one of the funner games uh, of the week. Um, the afternoon, one of these afternoon games. There's another interesting slate where they're one is not a lot of heavy game totals. And two, the game totals that are large are in the afternoon. Um, we have the chargers, uh, at the Eagles at 50.5. We have the Packers at chiefs at 54 and a half. Um, and then this, the other afternoon game is this Cardinals Niners game where there's obviously a lot of unknowns currently with Kyler Murray. That said, I wanted to make sure we, we hit both of these afternoon games with high game totals and low spreads, which is kind of this recipe for DFS success. And that translates to what we're kind of talking to here. So 50 and a half game total with a small or a low spread of chargers by one and a half. And this is one of the, another game that I wrote up early uh, with the, uh, early line efficiencies piece, um, where I think it has a pretty solid recency bias uh, surrounding it. 
obviously the Chargers are coming off of a tough loss against the Patriots. The Eagles are coming off of a convincing win against the Lions. So there's two teams on opposite trajectories. We have a pick ish game, you know, game spread of only one and a half points where, you know, the Vegas and the, the betting public really doesn't know where to go here. So when I see something like that with a lot of uncertainty from the betting field, uh, I start to get the sense of, you know, positive expected value. And I actually wrote up the Chargers at minus three earlier this week, and they have since been bet down to only one and a half point favorites. So I missed on the expected value. But that said, I still like the Chargers to cover here um, and win this game rather handily. So as opposed to focusing on the game total, I like the Chargers here in a basically borderline pick'em game against the Eagles. So I feel like Nick Sirianni is just like intentionally doing whatever he can to have Hurts lose, so he can play anyone but Hurts. Like I don't know what is up with him. He has this huge vendetta against Hurts. Hurts is going to be scrambling a lot in this game. Chargers have a really aggressive line really aggressive defense period i can see them getting to hurts making him run they can throw some pretty bad passes herbert's had a couple up and down games recently it's been weird i expected more consistency out of him but the eagles have no chance of stopping him this week mike williams i think he's gonna catch a bomb this week jared cook should have a this is a nice matchup for jared cook to get a touchdown i really really like this game to hit the over. i like the over and i like the chargers to cover yeah, and dissecting kind of the dynamics of this game, like we have two defenses who are built outside in. And what I mean by that is they're typically um, locking down on perimeter wide receivers. They're filtering <laughs> they're filtering offensive production to the inside of the field through the opposing tight ends, through the running backs. And both of these teams are kind of built that same way. The Chargers are more so via heavy... Um, zone rates and through a prevent defense and the Eagles are built that way basically because their best defensive players are their corners. Um, so naturally filtering production to the inside of the field. When we look at when that is the case, like which of these teams is best equipped to, you know, have sustain offensive success uh, when that is the case. And for me, it's, unequivocally the chargers you know they have austin eckler obviously um at the running back position who is adept at both you know running and receiving work they have jared cook and donald parham who are still splitting work but um on the tight end position and then you look at the eagles and are they going to continue these higher rush rates that we saw last week my opinion, I think that was just primarily due to the game flow and how they were, you know, playing the Lions team who were expected to just get run out of the building. So are they going to commit to Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell again? Uh, and even not Jordan even Howard. Kenneth Gainwell, he didn't get anything. It was more. Yeah. Forward, yeah. And the Chargers right? have the worst run defense in the NFL, too. So that is something else to consider. Yeah. So 
it all comes down to like this wide range of expected outcomes with respect to how Philadelphia is going to look to attack this game offensively. And, you know, it's to me, it's not going to be a similar situation where they're going to be afforded the opportunity via game flow to just lean on um, these between the tackles plotters in Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. So um, obviously you look at their starting field position from last week too with uh, the Lions multiple turnovers in their own um, territory they had a couple of short punts who were like 28 yard punts um, that provided the Eagles <laughs> with short field position and that is likely not going to be the case this week so to me I like taking leveraging that uncertainty and taking the chargers here love it all right man you got anything else to add on this game no, I'm just a very odd week. Yeah, I love it, dude. I love it. I love it. I love football. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's, dude, it's bizarre that we are already more Past than halfway, halfway yeah. season. Yeah, it's bizarre. It flies by when you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, man. OWS fam, uh, we will see you next week. We'll catch you next week. Can't wait. Later, man. Bye.